This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977. And my guest I know can remember back that far, Ken Alvine. Uh, Ken, you've been in Sioux Falls pretty much all your life, haven't you? Uh, yes, I have, John. I was raised here, went to Washington High School, and I left for several years to go off to our school and college and work a little, a few years out in the West Coast, Seattle area. Well, the idea is that uh, we thought we'd do something a little lighter. We've had so many serious uh, discussions uh, on, uh, you know, the, this program in the last couple of months that uh, we talk about uh, one of your hobbies and specialties and, and your career, actually, uh, as a cartoonist. And I uh, remember, well, a lot of people remember the Spader Camper Turtle. Right. That was kind of your original cartoon. Well, the original cartoon of Camper Turtle was one little kid, I think, came up to uh, Dwayne Spader with an idea, and he was so, he thought it was so good, and then he contacted me, and for years we uh, I drew this happy camper for him, and... Uh, we put it in the syndication newspaper columns and use it for his advertising, and we did a lot of years of developing the Happy Camper Turtle for him. Well, let's talk about uh, Cartoon Day, because that's okay. coming up next month, and uh, there's quite a few things that we can you know, talk about cartoons, but uh, uh, cartoons, I think, are almost necessary. If there wasn't cartoons, we'd have to invent them just to keep our sanity. Right, right. Uh, a little bit about a national cartoon state. Can I tell you a little history on that? You bet. Well, uh, I became a member of the National Cartoonist Society in 1989. Uh, and uh, at that time, there was the president of the National Cartoonist Society was named Mel Lazarus. And he had a comic strip out in L.A., Mom and Miss Peach. He did both of them. I don't remember those. And he, he, he was also kind of did a few sitcoms out there. But anyway, he was president. And when I got accepted, he contacted me and asked me if I would start a chapter in the Midwest, the National Cartoon Society, North Central Chapter, which I did. I uh, went around and got people, but in the process, I asked him, I said, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there was a cartoonist day? And, and he thought it was a good idea, and he said, but do me a favor, he said, you present that to the National Cartoon Society assemble at the General Assembly at the General Meeting in the Rubin Awards in the Bahamas cruise. And the Rubin Awards are similar as the Academy Awards for Hollywood. So I did. And uh, it was it was accepted by the General Assembly of the National Cartoonist Society uh, to have a National Cartoonist Day. And, of course, they just tried to decide on the date. And they kind of, a lot of them kind of made fun. Let's have an April Fool's Day and whatever. You know, have a good time. But we came along to the idea that we, we would have it the May 5th. That was the first cartoon uh, that was launched in the paper called The Yellow Kid. And The Yellow Kid was actually was launched by uh, uh, Randolph uh, Hearst of uh, the New York Journal. And he had it from 1889. It was May 5th. 1889, excuse me, 1885, and he and it ran until 1898, where, um, uh, excuse me, Joseph Pulitzer, I'm sorry, I, I started it, 
in uh, in the New York world, and then uh, Randolph Hearst took over for it in 1898 in his New York Journal. I'm sorry, I had to turn it around. <laughs> well, the thing is that we're talking about something that uh, uh, everybody, their grandparents and their great-grandparents of ours uh, have, you know, been able to look at and smile maybe on a day when they weren't having a good day. Uh, and it made it a large part, you know, uh, when I grew up, the only thing I wanted to see in the newspaper was the bunnies, you know, the cartoons on Sunday morning. Right. I, uh, of course, I've all my life, I, I wanted to be two things, either a cowboy or a cartoonist. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think most of that time, cowboy was part of our career. But uh, the only way you could get them is uh, through the newspaper or magazine. They didn't have, uh, or maybe you could once in a while go to a, a movie downtown. Uh, but generally, the cartoons were not that uh, easy to get a hold of. You know, they didn't have the television, and so we were pretty... Entertainment on television wasn't there at that time. Well, cartoons are recirculated. They're, they're um, uh, they, they, you know, kind of like uh, Dagwood right now, you know, and, and Charlie Charlie Brown. I mean, they they go on to next generations. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Dean Young, who was a good friend of mine, he draws his father. Chick Young started it. Uh Blondie, you know, had been around since going on 75, 80 years now or, or something. Uh, yeah, they are contrary. I can tell you a lot of those, you know, uh, more walkers, but Beetle Bailey, he passed on, and his sons to draw that now. Uh, a lot of the cartoonist fam- uh, sons and daughters are taking over, continuing it. Well, going back to the timeline, you mentioned the Yellow Kid from 1895, and I, you know, the Cat Jammer Kids. I, I remember reading some of their cartoons. Like I say, they uh, they get recycled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to be 76 this summer, so I do go back to a ways. Mutton Jeff, I remember yeah, those by, by Bud Fisher. Yeah, yeah, even even though that started in 1907, uh, bringing up farther almost was uh, a TV show, the, the Who Blooming Family. Father knows best. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, those kind of shows uh the captain and the kids i remember seeing some of those the gumps yeah. gasoline alley or gasoline alley right uh that fact that's being done right now by jim Alley, a good friend of mine that's the third cartoonist that has done them done it well, it used to be in the august leader but you know it's uh it still runs only about 100 papers nationally well you know the gasoline alley started in 1918 i mean that's over 100 years ago mm-hmm. the, the uh, Popeye started in 1919. Everybody knows Popeye. Right. I mean, it's kind of like, uh, I think even the young kids know Popeye, you know, with the internet. Uh, Barney Google in 1919. I brought a house in 1923. Moon Mullins. I remember Moon those. Moon right. Uh, Little Dolphin Nanny started in 1924, and they're still on Broadway. I know. Isn't that amazing how uh, these cartoons become part of our lifestyle? I mean, and one thing about cartooning, those that you have read, they followed the trends. I mean, the cars they were driving then, it might have been radio back then, and then it moved up to something else. You know, they followed this clothing and styles, and cartoons followed lifestyles. Well, Mickey Mouse, 1929. Yep, Walt Disney did a very rough on it, and uh, Mickey Mouse, right. I bet he's rolling over in his grave right now. <laughs> but uh, The uh, Tarzan, 1929. Which one was that? Tarzan? Yeah, right. Was it that far along? Actually, in cartoons, Joe Paluca. He, he, Joe Paluca, but he, yeah. yeah. Uh, Blondie, of course, uh, 1930, Betty Boop. Uh, mm-hmm. You still see that uh, well, right. on tattoos, even. Mm-hmm. Cartoons, right. 
Dick Tracy, 1931. Chester Gould. He was, uh, everybody followed Dick Tracy, didn't they? Smiling Jack, a little Abner. I remember, you know, what was those little little uh, white things that run around? Uh, <laughs> he, he threw his last panel in 1946, but, uh, I mean, you know, little Abner Donald Duck started in 1934. Of course, that was Walt Disney. Um, Terry and the Pirates, Nancy, uh, 1938. Superman started in 1938. I think yeah, that was Jerry one Siegel. of the first comic books. Yeah. Siegel, Jerry Siegel, and uh, they started that, and, uh, and it's interesting, it had took a lawsuit because uh, the Citadel Comic Company didn't want to give any royalty to the family after that. It became quite a, quite a really because Superman, you know, became very, very big, and they sold it mm-hmm. out to them. They pretty much gave away their rights to receive, you know, that on that. Well, Superman today is going through a lot of different uh, uh, aspects. Batman, uh, our uh, morning man, uh, of course, Greg Balfrey is a Batman fan. Mm-hmm. And uh, that started in 1939 with Bob Kane. Uh, Brenda Starr, I remember her. Archie is still, you know, there's still yeah. cartoons about Archie going on, even the movie, I think, not too long ago. Uh, the Sad Sack uh, was kind of 1942. Of course, that was during World War II. Yeah, I like Sad Sack. Mary Worth uh, was kind of the original soap opera. Little Lulu, uh, I remember comic books from her when I was a kid. Uh, Steve Canyon, that was something that was, you know, yeah. he, he always had the latest technology, airplanes yeah. and all that kind of thing. Uh, Pogo was uh, Pogo. kind of the Louisiana kind of uh, sound. Uh, Beetle Bailey, 1950. Walker, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Venus in 1950. Dennis the Menace in 1951. Yeah, He's yeah. never gotten any older. <laughs> no, and after those, you just kind of stopped right there. Kind of, that was, and all of a sudden, some big invention came in, television. And uh, those people that Charles Schultz and Mort Walkers and Bud Fishers and Hell Cap, and they were Kind of like they were on the Johnny Carson shows. They were kind of celebrities of our time. But after that particular time, it seemed like the, the names of the people producing weren't quite as well known. You know? But Saturday morning cartoons. Right. We grew up on them. Right. Um, we Super Saturday or whichever uh, actions, and you know, the uh, uh, so many different uh, animations. I guess mm-hmm. it wasn't so much a cartoon, but animations. Uh, but uh, the one thing that we want to mention a couple times uh, while we're talking here, here is that uh, first of all, uh, Ken, we're talking to Ken Elvin, you actually brought the National Cartoon Convention to Sioux Falls. I know a couple times. Well, I've uh, been, uh, as I told you, when I got accepted in the National Cartoon Society and I became a, and they asked me to start the local chapter, I went around and I contacted a lot of people and we held our first meeting for the North Central Chapter in Sioux Falls at the old Pettigrew Library, that round one, and we had, a, a, some, I think, a highly, some chicken for our, our main meal. I got that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was a really grassroots getting off the ground. Uh, but after that, we did hold several of them in Sioux Falls, and my goal was at that time to bring a lot of the major cartoonists into Sioux Falls and kind of introduce Sioux Falls to the cartoon industry. Mm-hmm. And we brought people like Nancy, uh, you, I think you've know, been on your program, uh, Ann Talnus, she was a Pulitzer Prize winner from Washington Post, mm-hmm. D.C., Tom Richmond, Mad Magazine cartoonist. Yeah, we just, brought in many of them. I think the person with uh, Mad Magazine just passed away in the last month. Well, Jaffe. 
Yes. He was 101 years old. 101 years old. 101 years old. The living cartoonist, oldest uh, uh, cartoonist, still working. And he was one that created the fold-out in Mad Maggie. Well, the one you yeah. could fold over and it'd right. be a different yeah. thing. Yeah, he was one that brought that out. That was ingenious. The uh, But that kind of defined that age for those mm-hmm. of us that were young back then. Right. And now, you know, the Mad Magazine, you know, like people that have passed on were like Mort Drucker. You know, El Jaffe, you know, a lot of these people that were, people identified with them when you were growing up, pretty mad. It's a whole, it's a younger age now, and they're doing just as well. You know, but that magazine actually closed, and they're being published on a smaller scale now. We're into, uh, I guess, the cartoonist today, though, is more of a graphic designer, uh, graphic novel, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a design advertising person from way back, uh, but that can be very dark. Right. Um, you know, people ask me a lot of times, they say, and they, I say, what's with the comic industry? And I'll say, what do you mean? They say, well, no one reads comics anymore. Mm-hmm. And I hear that. And I say, no, that's not what they should read. They, they, maybe they don't take the newspaper anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the young people, my, I, have, I have children, grandchildren, and they don't, that takes my age, but uh, they don't uh, even subscribe to the newspaper. They get it off the computer. They get it off of uh, different elements, you know. And uh, But it's still, cartoon is a big industry. You're still seeing it every day in advertising and, and walking down the grocery store aisles, they'll see cereal boxes with cartoons. So people are reading them, they're seeing them, but I think a lot of people identify to what we were talking about before TV, they're not reading the comics, and that's what they're trying to tell me, you know, who reads them. Well, the comics were timely, Mm -hmm. and uh, like I say, Sad Sack during World War II would be a little different today, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, nowadays you can can go and see the entire series of, uh, you know, Beetle Bailey or whichever, you know, when computers first came in, you were buying CDs of the entire, you know, comic strip of of this or that type of thing for Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, you know, for a collection, you know, type of thing, and who has CDs? anymore but uh, the aspect of the cartoons though were to put humor on the times of the day definitely and you know like i say the the comics have gotten so small in the newspaper now Mm. i have a hard time reading some of the the balloons in clouds right there are and sometimes you know if you have your favorite when you have your favorite cartoon uh you know you like to read it i remember i had my grandfather he, when he was uh, very old, and I used to walk by his, he had a trailer house in the back of our backyard, and we're part of Sioux Falls. And every morning, I'd stop in and read him Little Orphan Annie. He had, he couldn't miss Little, Little Orphan Annie every day. But, yep. uh, but anyway, you were big back when we when I try to get cartoonists in Sioux Falls, I'd try to bring in as many as I could, you know, to have meetings in Sioux Falls to introduce it. And we brought in some wonderful cartoonists that have been in Sioux Falls and we're planning on doing it again here this next May. Uh, one of the cartoonists you know we'll probably visit about it a little bit was the Chris Brown, the, the cartoonist of Hagar Sioux the Horrible. Yeah. And he was one of my guests too that I brought in to Sioux Falls. Well he, he lived in Sioux Falls for quite a long yeah, time now. It was uh it was in nineteen eighteen excuse me, nineteen eighty nine when I got in to the game and I started that chapter and I started bringing people in and, and I Chris Brown and I became real close friends because I started National Cartoonist Day, I think I mentioned that. Then mm-hmm. he and he recognized and we became close friends. He he supported me on that. 
So I invited him to Sioux Falls to be a speaker at our chapter meeting and also to be in the Augustana Viking Parade, which well, Augustana was very happy mm-hmm. to get to him. Uh, and so they were in the parade, and they were, we, he spoke at Augustana College, and we had a good time. About two years later, I get a call back from his wife, Carol, and said, Ken, we love Sioux Falls. We're moving here. Well, so I helped. They moved to Sioux Falls. I helped them find a home. And he was here close to 20 years until he passed away here a couple months ago. Where did he live before Sioux Falls? He, well, he was in Sarasota Springs, Florida. So he, he moved from the state of Florida to South right. Dakota. There are three reasons. Okay. One, the humidity. If you knew, ever knew Chris, I don't know if he had any do it, but he's a pretty big fellow. Mm-hmm. You know, he is 300 pounds. He kind of lived the life of Hagar, I think. Hagar, yeah. And secondly, he said he had got kind of got tired of evacuating <laughs> every time there was a storm. They had to evacuate. And three, I think they were just looking for a, a smaller lifestyle. The city was bigger. And so he wanted to, and he really loved Sioux Falls. It seemed to fit their personality. Were you going to have a memorial for him? He passed away, what, two months ago? A couple months ago, yes. How old was he? 70. Well, that's young. That's for, young for us. That's young. Um, but uh, you know, everybody reads Hager the horrible. I, I, I've seen pictures on Facebook of people even had Hager tattoos. Right, right. They've had movies on him. They've had balloon in the Macy's parade. They've had he was he had he had fans. He was in fifty-two countries, thirteen different languages, and two thousand papers. He had fan clubs as far away as India. Chris did. He was a very popular cartoonist worldwide. So really, you can have a career and a life as a cartoonist. Oh, definitely. And you you can work anywhere you want, especially with the computer. Uh, I know Chris, um, he he worked out of his home. He he did the drawings. He sent it off to a a syndicate. He, He did everything right at his home. In Sioux Falls, he could have been in Sarasota. He could have been anywhere. But he Does he have some ki- children? Pardon? Does he have some children? Are they interested? No, no. He had one adopted, uh, a stepdaughter. Is anyone uh, going to continue the uh, Hagar the Horrible ever, uh, any chance? Yeah, it's, it's being continued. His brother Chance lives in Connecticut, okay. and his brother Chance draws High and Lois. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's big out in his high and lows. And anyway, he was part of the Brown family. Chance Brown is a son of, they're both sons of Dick Brown, who started Hagar. And he has hired another cartoonist uh, quite well. I mean, I believe he does it quite well working with uh, the comic strip. Well, Chris Brown actually did some things uh, for over a decade for National Lampoon, which, oh. uh, which you know, you got to consider the National Lampoon is kind of the uh, buzzy bee of, of the Internet today. Uh, but he, he's had quite a career, and you're going to have a memorial right. for him coming up on May 20th right. uh, at 1 o'clock at Wildwater West, right. Sioux Falls. Uh, um, and that memorial, you, you're going to have a, a lot of the national cartoonists there. Well, we hope. What we what we want to do is I didn't. It was uh, when I, I I used to try to call Chris once a week or see him once a week when I was uh, when I was out of town, and uh, so after he passed away, I said, you know, he was a friend to so many people. He was your friend. He was a if he met you, one minute. He was your friend. He would know about you, want to know about you. He would want to know your name. He just he was the world's greatest storyteller also. 
So I was thinking I didn't want it to be in a closed place like a church memorial. We wanted celebration. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want it like in a place with a building. So we, and he was kind of a outdoors type of guy. So we thought we would have it outdoors. And uh, so that's why we're going to go to uh, Wild Water West. And uh, they have an outdoor shelter there. And for range, they said we have a pavilion we can go into. But it's just going to be a place that people can come that, and we're going to t- just celebrate his life, tell stories of people that knew him, other people, you know, just just say, come on, real send off, you know, his friends. Well, he had quite a career. Um, like I say, he even uh, did cartoons for Playboy. Yes, he did. Back when that was a magazine. Yeah, yeah he did a National Lampoon. He did Playboy. And... Uh, he did a lot of freelance, I know, books. He did this one book that's quite popular right now in South Dakota, The Monster Who Ate the State. I don't know, it's been sold it's in the, down at most bookstores. And it has this monster like a dinosaur that traveled across uh, the whole state of South Dakota. Uh, and then it got back and it ate the state theater. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And it's called in Sioux Falls. It was called the and it was published in the and you can still buy it. It's Monster of to State. And he did some children books as well. Well, that's what I'm saying is that uh, Chris Brown. That's B R O W N E, right? Which is kind of unique. Uh, I don't know. Is that uh, Scandinavian or? No, I think it's uh, it's, uh you know, I don't know what it is, but mm-hmm. I know he's he's Irish. He oh, always you. called him. He always said he was Irish. So, did he ever say how he came up with the character Hagar the Horrible? His dad did it. His dad had uh, uh, created it, and his dad was. Uh, but he said it was kind of a funny story. He his, his dad was uh, a cartoonist, and he went into the syndicate and uh, tried to sell Hagar to the syndicate mm-hmm. person, the comic uh, editor. Comic editor looked at it. Said, yeah, I think it has potential, but he said. Uh, why don't you see me in about a couple of weeks? I'm on, going on vacation. So I guess Dick Brown said, okay. But but then he walked out of the door of the comics editor and he came back and he told his other, he said, he said, you know, let's give it a shot. Give it a two-week shot, three weeks, see how it goes. The editor walked out, uh, the comic editor, and he died the next day. Oh, no. A couple of days. And if he wouldn't have done it, Hagar wouldn't have been in existence today. Right place at the right time, then. Right, right. Uh, well, you know, you can go out and, and talk to other cartoonists because there's young people coming mm-hmm. up that like to draw. Mm-hmm. They're drawing probably superhero characters, you know, on, on the doodles and that type of thing. Uh, but how does somebody, you know, like I say, Chris had his dad, he had his brother, right. uh, all of them were in that. But it, it's not so easy to get into now because there isn't so much of the newspapers. No. Uh, you know, I've been asked that question. But, you know, I feel there's still a lot of opportunity for someone who wants to get in the industry. Now, the comic strip... I would say, look at other avenues. I'm not discouraging you from a comic strip, but they get three to 4,000 submissions a year and maybe only accept 10. Mm. You know, I mean, it's really competitive. However, 
look at all you can freelance from home you can send things in look at all the comics out there like i said you all the cereal boxes and the groceries and, and magazine ads and tv there's other avenues out there you're not going to be recognized for your name but you might be recognized for your, what you can do which for yourself it has a really a lot of i feel there's a lot of opportunity yet talking to ken alvine a cartoonist advertising design uh, you used uh, cartooning in your advertising unit like i mentioned yeah. the speeder turtle what, right. what are some of the others people might be familiar well with? uh there was another company that did a lot with soil we did uh we did a lot of feed and grass seed using the cartoon characters on their package designs i've worked with um, oh i don't know a lot of cartoons in the banks mm-hmm. we did a lot of banking we did a lot of promotional things for a lot of industries and brochures it's, the idea is to simplify a product. You know, I did everything. I was very fortunate. I had a comic, I had a couple comic strips that I had. Uh, I've written a lot, you know, several books that you've seen, yeah. put together several books. Uh, but you can use it in a lot of areas. A lot of times, if you're creative and you see that a product, man, that would make a great cartoon. Or I thought to sell them utilizing cartoons, how to sell it. People are really open to it. You know, uh, you don't probably insert serious, serious things. You don't probably try to get too many of that, but but it can be used a lot. It doesn't have to just be a comic strip. Well, like, you know, I'll never forget Sparky of NSP, mm-hmm. um, and that's ages ago. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, kids don't forget those characters, I think, and sometimes. Uh, but, you know, coming up, uh, again, put down May 20th, Saturday at 1 o'clock at Wildwater West for the Memorial for Chris Brown of Sioux Falls. Hangar the Horrible. Um, I'm sure that uh, you can get some autographs from some other cartoonists and that type of thing, too. Ken, you've got quite a, a, a life in, in, the, in the cartoon and, and design aspect of it. Uh, you've made a career of it here in Sioux Falls. Uh, right. And advertising was a big part of that. We had a car show out of Wildwater West last year where all these foreign cars were coming in from Porsches and all these type of things, you know. But uh, I didn't have, but I, my car, I think, is a kind of a cartoon car I had. It was I had a 1931 Pontiac a limousine with spoke 19-inch spoke wheels and a Continental kit on the back and roll-up front window. kind of looked like something Al Capone had. <laughs> you know. But... A lot of cartoon cars, a lot of cartoon cars, you know, out there, too. It's fun to watch. You know, one other thing I'd like to just quickly mention, that, you know, we'll talk about Chris again in a second, but the cartoonist day is coming up, too, you know, May 5th. And that's, uh, remember I was telling you about Richard Alcott, uh, the Yellow Kid, and that was, you'd be interested in that. He, uh, the Yellow Kid kind of was created for the kind of... Talk about the unfortunate people of New York at that time, mm-hmm. and it became well, that's where the term came, yellow journalism, oh. from the yellow kid. And so there's a lot going on in me when they put in the yellow kid, and so that's kind of, and so that's why we're having cartoons they made. Well, I remember on the back of of comic books and magazines and that they would have this drawing school. Right, right. Do they still have that? Yeah, do they still have that? I don't. You know, comic books. That's when John you and I were buy them for 10 cents mm-hmm. or sit at the drugstore and read them for nothing <laughs> yeah i go down to what was called hyatt grocery and read all the comics on the shelf before they, you know. <laughs> no, they kicked you out yeah <laughs> yeah but uh anyway coming up may 20th saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon at wildwater west uh car chris brown of sioux falls hagar the horrible uh his career it's a memorial and you can meet other cartoonists 
how many cartoonists are in the Nas- the North Central chapter of the National Cartoonist Society? Well, there's about, I think on our roster, there's probably around 30, 35. Mm-hmm. And they're from our, our our area covers so much, all the, all the way from Minneapolis to Kansas City. And from, uh, well, we don't have much Denver to uh, Minneapolis and from Minneapolis to Sioux Falls. And so Lincoln, Nebraska, you know, we, so we have them from all the members of the National Cartoonist Society. We also have, we want people to come out that aren't cartoonists, that are love cartooning or want to be cartoonists, want to meet them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love to have an opportunity to sit down and visit with young people interested in cartooning. Has the internet uh, opened some opportunities then? Oh, I believe it has. I think uh, a lot of people put out their cartoon strips on uh, on the internet, on their Facebook pages and what have you, and get a lot of good positive response. And where they go with them, I don't know, but I, I know I've heard some very positive stories of them while they put them out on the internet. Are, cart- are comic books still worth a lot of money, or has that kind of disappeared? You know, there's a couple of things about them. I sold 600 of my comic books last year, a year or two years ago, something like that. Because, you know, but... Uh, but comic books, where the value is on them, is if there are very few of them naturally, one early prints, the age of them, but mainly, well, of course, who did it was an early Superman, but mainly what it's important is that a lot of these comic books never been opened or never read. They, you buy them, they put them on a shelf, and they sell them. They just let them age. It's like... But uh, putting something uh, in something, forget about it, and hopefully it becomes more valuable. It's they never look at it because they don't want to see any wrinkled pages or anything. <laughs> so that's, but that's how they get valuable. Well, you can talk to uh, Kevin Albine, cartoonist, advertising design, Sioux Falls, uh, about the memorial at of Chris Brown again Saturday May twentieth one o'clock at the Wildwater West. It's uh, free to come and you know come in and, and talk to everybody and and uh, uh, cartoons. We grew up with them. Comic books, uh, cartoon Saturday. Um, it was a part of our life. And uh, Ken Elvin, want to thank you for being with us on forum. Thank you very much, John. I really appreciate it. Everybody's welcome. Uh, the public to come out and visit us at Wildwater West, May twentieth. Meet some of the cartoonists and take them. Give uh, Chris Brown a great big goodbye. And May fifth is National Cartoon Day. May fifth, National Cartoon <laughs> Day, celebrated. <laughs>